What a week we just had in the Big East in the first full week of January. Well, by Big East standards, given what we've seen already this year, this is just business as usual. But from an outside perspective around the country, all hell has been breaking loose in the conference, especially on the men's side. And I'll recap what made that first week in January a wild one around the Big East here on this week's edition of the Igloo with Meets Timmy Ice. So let's start with the headline. The team of the week, not just in the Big East, but nationally. How about my Seton Hall Pirates, baby? Not only did they go into Friartown and upset 23rd ranked Providence, but they followed that up by proving that that win, and for that matter, their win against UConn a week and a half prior, well, two and a half weeks, right? Yeah. Proving that wasn't a fluke by taking down 7th ranked Marquette. And both were close games. And trust me, I said this on Hoist the Colors with Pat Madden. If this happened a month ago in these close games, Seton Hall would have crumbled. They would have gotten knocked down and they wouldn't have been able to pick themselves back up and respond well enough to win the game. But this week, this past week, they did just that. I know there's a bit of an asterisk against Providence due to the unfortunate injury to Bryce Hopkins. Um, first off, you know, wishing Bryce nothing but a speedy recovery. Um, my heart goes out to him because he's a hell of a player, good person too. And those non-contact knee injuries are just, they're just a bitch. And it sucks that this team will be without him the rest of the season. And he might even miss the beginning of next season, uh, depending on his recovery. But the fact that, you know, Seton Hall, they got down. I mean, they got down one. They were down early in this game, too. They were down nine. It was 19 to 10. In the early stages, Providence just had everything going on their side. And Josh O'Dora was cooking early. But Seton Hall, they stayed the course. Led by as many as eight. And then Providence went on their run. Uh, you know, they took a 51-50 lead on a layup by Devin Carter. And that was with five minutes left. And Seton Hall responded very well. A 9-2 to run capped off by a strong drive to the hoop by Alamir Dawes. You know, on the left side, finishing with the right hand. And that was not long after Dawes hit a Hesitation three, where like he was like jab stepping a couple times, will he or won't he? And he did. 
and sank that shot. That made it 55-51. The layup made it 59-53, forcing a timeout. And it looked like Providence was getting momentum back, down by two. Seenhall turns it over after a video review that shows it went off Dawes. But they made a great defensive stop. And that's the identity of the Seton Hall team. And then they iced it with free throws and Dylan today. Wusu, who had a very under-the-radar game with a double-double, 12 points, 11 rebounds. And their three-point shooting also really helped. They didn't take a lot of threes, but the threes that they did take were quality shots, and they made almost half of them. And to follow that up against Marquette, Marquette started red hot, and they had a double-digit lead. I mean, they put up 23 points in the first seven minutes and change. But Seton Hall, again, they stayed the course. They hunkered down on defense and really constricted Marquette the rest of the game, holding them to just 52 points over the final 32 minutes and 47 seconds. And their offense got cooking too. While they turned it over 22 times, which is far from ideal, they still shot well over 50% from the floor. They dominated on the glass with with a 43-25 rebounding advantage. And they got really key plays from guys like Elijah Hutchins-Everett off the bench when Jane Bediaco was struggling to put the ball in the basket. He had, he had 11 rebounds, but he only had two points. Really struggled. And then Alamir Dawes and Kadari Richmond each went ham. Richmond just took over in the second half, finished with 21 points. Alamir Dawes rediscovered his stroke from three, four for five from behind the arc and seven of 10 from the floor. And, you know, a couple of breakaway dunks, Kadari Richmond first and then Dre Davis right after Seton was off to the races. They were up 10 with two minutes left. But Marquette was like, uh-uh, this ain't over until the until there's triple zeros. And how do they respond? How about a 9-0 run to get it down to one? And trust me, I'm watching this game like, oh shit. 40 seconds left. We got the ball and we're only up one. But Seton Hall played, they were very poised. That that last offensive possession. They worked that shot clock all the way down. And Dre Davis just makes a circus shot. It was a tough bucket through traffic. I mean, was there some contact? Sure, but it... Not enough for there to be a foul call. And the referees aren't going to decide. It wouldn't decide the game, but it would have an effect on what would happen thereafter, shortly thereafter if they called a foul. But they didn't. Dre makes the layup to make it a three-point game. Marquette calls a timeout. They draw up a good set out of the timeout, but just didn't execute. They were trying to do the Bryce Drew play from 26 years ago in a different way because they were doing it from the front court compared to, you know, trying to heave it all the way down the court. And then Iguodaro just 
threw it well out of the reach of David Joplin, and that was that. So the Pirates 2-0 this week, this past week, and now they've just shot up the bracketology boards, and now everyone except for, <laughs> from what I've seen, except for Joe Lenardi and Andy Katz, But actually, no, Andy Katz has Seton Hall in. Joe Lenardi doesn't. I know he, he's been on this show before. If you want to leave Seton Hall out, like, I, you're entitled to your opinion. You're wrong, but whatever. But the fact that he has him in the next four out, that is egregious. They have three Q1 wins now. And only three other teams have more than they do. Arizona, Kansas, and Purdue. You know, in terms of people doubting the Seton Hall team, and I, you know, early on, I kind of doubted them, but they've proven me wrong. I thought they, I thought they were going to go zero and two this past week. So, fall, I'll take, I'll take the fall for that too. But I thought they would be competitive in both games. But not only were they competitive, they won both. But. For Lenardi to commit the egregious events, offense of having Seton Hall as the last four out. You know, in the words of Kadari Richmond, that's on them. Other teams that had good weeks. Uh, St. John's, has they've surged up the bracketology boards as well. They trounced Butler by 16. And then they went into the fin and dominated Villanova. And they actually led by as many as 17. Villanova never led. So that's arguably, that's Rick Pitino's first signature win. As the head coach of the St. John's team. To go into the fin and beat Nova by 10. That is... That's huge. And then the breakout star of the week. How about the freshman Brady Dunlap? I mean, this guy barely saw the court in non-conference play. But against Butler and Villanova, 28 minutes, 13 points against Butler. 31 minutes, 15 against Villanova. Like, where did he come from? You know, everyone was clowning him like, oh, he just makes TikToks. Like, while they are cringe, he proved this past week that he can ball. You know, he's been a revelation. And he's proved a lot of people wrong with people questioning his ability. Like, he should be focusing more on basketball than TikTok. Well, clearly he's been focusing more on ball because look at the numbers he just put up. RJ Luis had a really good game off the bench in in that game at Nova. Really efficient from the floor. And then for for Nova, I mean, Eric Dixon struggled mightily. TJ Bamba carried much of the load. Mark Armstrong played well too, but you could see now that Justin Moore's absence is starting to take a toll 
on Nova. So while, again, Marquette, who is in that upper echelon, along with UConn and Creighton, while they were knocked off, UConn kept on winning. They throttled DePaul to the surprise of absolutely no one. And then follow that up with a with a solid win at Butler. And I give credit to Butler. They led by as many as eight. I'm trying to see when that eight-point lead was. 33-25? Yeah. So Butler played really well out of the gates. But unfortunately, you know, UConn woke up, started to hit some shots, and they were off to the races from there. Behind a big night from Alex Caravan, who who put in 20. And they were really efficient, shooting at a 54.5% clip. And they also, you know, they rebounded really well. 33-24 edge on the glass. I mean, Caravan had 20. Newton had 17, but it was an ugly 17. He went 10 for 13 for the charity stripe. Stefan Castle, who's back in, um, who started in this one, he put up 14 points, nine boards and four dimes. Camp Spencer had 14. Samson Johnson had eight. And Hassan Diara had a huge played great minutes off the bench, nine points in 18 minutes. And meanwhile, for Butler, I mean, DJ Davis had 22, strong effort. Jamil Telford with 16, Pierre Brooks with 19. But Posh struggling played a big role in this loss. And the bench just, what, 14 combined points? I know that their bench is a lot better than that. And to me, it looked like their bench was shorter than usual. But Butler, listen, you know, after the hot start, they've fizzled out. They're 1-3 in Big East play, and it's not like it's going to get any easier for them coming up because they got Marquette on Wednesday night. And then they host Red Hot Seton Hall on Saturday. Like, no rest for the wicked. Meanwhile, Creighton, they swept this past week of games after starting 0-2 in the conference. They handled business at Georgetown, and then defeated Providence in a game that Crane really should have pulled away and won big. But I give credit to Providence. You know, this is their first full game without Hopkins. And they did not quit. And Devin Carter kind of willed them back into the game with 25 points, but kind of by then it was kind of too little too late. I mean, they protected the ball well, but they struggled from the floor. While Creighton shot it really well at 48%. Kalkbrenner went off at 22 points. Steven Ashworth finally came around and put up a solid performance. Trey Alexander got his bag. And in the win at Georgetown, Trey was really good in that one too. At Georgetown, he was 11 of 17 from the floor and 3 of 5 from deep.
Um, on the subject of Georgetown, and by the way, Villanova, um, you know, they barely got by Xavier on Wednesday night. And Villanova, I mean, they nearly lost the, you know, lost that game. I mean, they nearly gave the game away. I mean, they missed the front end of a one and one like twice in the last minute. Or, let me see. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, so up one, Eric Dixon missed two free throws. And then Desmond Claude, trying to get the game-winning bucket, left it short. And Quincy Olivari, again, this team will go as far as Quincy will take them. Only had 14 points in this one, 3 of 13 from the floor, 1 of 8 from 3. Xavier, they just struggled from the floor. They went 10 for 10 for the charity strike, but 5 for 18 from 3. And the guys who, I mean, the guys who are expected to do damage, you know, Olivari and Claude, each struggled. They combined for just 8 of 30 from the floor and 1 of 10 from 3. So if those guys just knocked down even just a couple more shots. Xavier leaves the Finn with a win for the second year in a row. But but Hakeem Hart was the difference in that in that one. One of the best bench players in the conference, if not the best. Put up a game, put up a team high 14 points in 30 minutes off the pine. And then in the Sicko's game of the week to Paul in Georgetown. It was a masterpiece, honestly. A masterpiece in so many ways. A, it was a closely contested ball game, but there was a lot of sloppiness that just made it just a, a, a piece of, a, just artwork. And just when you think Georgetown was going to pull away and take this one, and DePaul was going to run out of gas, and that would, it would be over. DePaul was right back in it and got it down to what? The game tracker is acting like a piece of shit for me right now. Uh, they got down to two on a three by Jeremiah Odin. And then after Brumbaugh missed the second of two free throws in the three-point game, Chico Carter missed the game tying three at the horn and Georgetown escapes with a win. So DePaul's struggles continue. However, the fact that they nearly stole one in D.C. Dare I say on January 6th, Georgetown stopped the steal. Meaning stopping DePaul from stealing a road game and making that an even uglier loss than the one they had against Holy Cross. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I It was right there, and I went for it. All right. Enough January 6th jokes. They're not funny anymore. Actually, I'm pretty sure they're... I just completely off, to, off topic, 
but I'm pretty sure there was just like a tweet or something about like South Park saying when 9-11 jokes or age jokes were going to be funny again. Based on like age jokes became funny during an episode of South Park with, I mean, granted this age poorly, but Jared from Subway saying, you know, he's got AIDS, like AIDS as in like A-I-D-E-S, AIDS who help him with his diet. And then AIDS jokes finally became funny then. And then people calculated like one or nine eleven jokes would be funny based on that. And long story short, 9-11 jokes according to this post are now funny. According to that, not me, okay? Don't shoot the messenger. But yeah, now that January 6th has passed, no more January 6th jokes. Moving on. Women's. Oh, wait, wait. So we got the women's recap coming up soon, but quick game picks. Speaking of Georgetown, they host Seton Hall Tuesday night. Georgetown's going to find a way to make it close. I just don't see Seton Hall going on the road and killing Georgetown. But Seton Hall will win the game. In a game that I expect there will be murder. Creighton's going to smack DePaul at 9 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Can't remember what the number of the winning streak is up to, but it's, it's high up there. Let me do the math on this. And it's good. There's going to be a long pause because I'm just bear with me. I'm doing the math in my head. Okay. I think they've won 18 in a row against DePaul. Yeah, make it 19. Now, Wednesday, I think St. John's beats Providence. Um, they're just on a roll. I will say, though, with them being 3 and 1. Not a big fan of Rick Pitino taking attention off of that by saying, oh, we need to play UConn at Karnaseka for Louis' 100th birthday. Like, first of all, that's next year. Secondly, and I hate to say this, what if, God forbid, Louis dies this year? Again, God forbid. But just what if? I know St. John's going to do something to... Honor Louis' 100th birthday. But Jesus Christ, stop getting ahead of yourself, Rick. Like, worry about the fact that you're 3-1 and one in the Big East. Your team is back on the right side of the bubble. You gotta keep the train rolling. And you, got Pro- you still got Providence ahead of you on Wednesday. You don't play UConn for another three weeks. Three and a half or something like that. I don't know. But worry about yourself and worry about this game against Providence, which I think St. John's will take care of business and win this one. Although Providence, given the fact that they kept it close against Creighton and fought to the very last whistle. Providence will keep it close, but I think St. John's wins. Now, UConn at Xavier. Last year, the Musketeers swept the Huskies, the only team in the conference to do so. And you, yeah, Xavier was the only team UConn did not beat of all the teams they faced during that season and route to the national championship. UConn will exact revenge and win at the Centos Center. And then Marquette got him taking care of business against Butler after falling to number 11 in the country. 
So that's at 9 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Friday night, 8.30 on FS1. I got Nova taking care of DePaul. Saturday at noon on FS1. Before, Seton Hall Butler was a toss-up for me, but given how Seton Hall has been red hot as of late and Butler's kind of been ice cold, I'm taking the Pirates winning at Hinkle for the third year in a row. And the fourth time in the last five years, And I'm pretty sure if I go back all the way, like I'm pretty sure they've won five of the last seven at Hinkle. One o'clock on Fox, St. John's at Creighton. I think now that Creighton has some biggies wins under their belt after starting 0-2, they're going to keep their momentum going and they will defeat St. John's in Omaha. And then Xavier Providence at the Amp. While Providence, you know, they've clearly not the same team without Bryce Hopkins. I think they'll finally get some confidence back, back at the amp. And I got them beating Xavier. And then on Sunday, this is at noon on Fox with the NFL playoff schedule being revealed. Uh, Packers-Cowboys is at 4.30, so Georgetown-UConn will be at noon on Fox from the XL Center. Yeah, I'm just not, I'm not going to go into it, but UConn's going to win that ball game. And then, by the way, um, I'm just going to take this into MLK Day. Um, 2.30 on Fox from the Pfizer Forum. Villanova at Marquette. The Golden Eagles and the Wildcats, you know, both... Teams with black head coaches, Kyle Neptune at Nova, Shaka Smart at Marquette. Really great for the sport. Really great for this country, really. And I got Marquette winning at Fiserv. So, yeah, that's what that's what's on the I can't even get this shit out. Fumbling over my words. But yeah, that's that's the men's portion of uh, this week's episode. And you know what? Fuck it. Let's just keep it rolling. Let's keep it with the women. Um, all, this is going to be all in one segment. I'm going to make my life easy. This past week, first of all, how about UConn continuing to steamroll their competition? So they beat Marquette on New Year's Eve by 31. How do they follow that up? By winning in Omaha over 21st ranked Creighton by 44. 94 to 50. Like, I mean, they were whooping them bad through three quarters. It was a 30-point game, but then they outscored them 20 to 6 in the fourth. And Jim Flannery was so frustrated with his team's performance that in the third quarter, he made a full line change. Where he... He only had 10 available, so the five players he had on the bench, he rolled all five of them out to sub the five on the court. And UConn, again, they steamroll the Blue Jays. 24 for Paige Beckers. 18 for Ashlyn Shade. 17 for KK Arnold. 16 and 11 for Aaliyah Edwards. Caden Samuels with eight off the bench. Aubrey Griffin at six points in 12 minutes, but unfortunately suffered... An injury that 
who knows how long that's going to keep her sidelined. I mean, it's like the injury bug keeps biting UConn. Granted, thank God it's to a lesser extent this year. But it still sucks because Aubrey Griffin had been playing out of her mind off the bench. And now they lose her and just like, geez. I mean, what do you do with that? Just when you think you're kind of out of the woods, you know, you lose AZ FUD back in November and you're like, okay, I think we're in a better spot. And think we, we've gotten out of the woods with our injury situation. And then Aubrey Griffin gets hurt and you're like, Really? This keeps happening? <laughs> and listen, like, Creighton played terribly. They got dominated in every aspect of the game. They struggled shooting, turned it over 16 times. They got they were minus 16 on the glass. They just didn't have it. And then they followed that up by beating Georgetown on the road. Georgetown was the third best scoring defense in the country coming into the game. Allowing like 49 points a game. And then UConn hung 47 on them in the first half and won 83-55. All five starters and double figures for UConn. Only really rolling out nine. They scored 75 of their 83 points. All five stars and double figures. 18 for Aaliyah Edwards. 15 for Beckers, 16 from Shade, 14 from Nika Mule, who was red hot from three at four for five, and five for six from the floor, also had a game-high eight assists. And then K.K. Arnold, in her homecoming, had 12 points. And UConn won this game by almost 30, despite being minus 17 on the glass, but they turned Georgetown over 22 times and held him to 34% from the floor and 26% from three. So the Hoyas, you know, they're still unbeaten on the road, but now they have lost both of their home games in league play so far. I mean, they're still a solid 500 in Biggie's play at two and two. Obviously, anytime you lose to UConn, there's no shame in it. Let's be real. And they had won at Butler earlier in the week to remain unbeaten on the road by five, 60-55 behind 20 points from Grace Ann Bennett. I mean, Kelsey Ransom at 13, another solid night for her. And Brianna Scott had 11 off the bench. And they were able to withstand, you know, 22 from Rachel Kent and 15 from Caroline Strandy. Other than that, you know, the rest of the Bulldogs really, really struggled. But credit Georgetown, you know, outside dogs is uh, Coach Haney says in terms of winning on the road. Still unbeaten away from home. Meanwhile, Marquette continued, uh, their struggles continued at St. John's as the Red Storm pulled another big upset. 57-56. Unique Drake had a big night, 24 points, 10 of 18 from from the floor, 3 of 4 from long range. 
I mean, she put the Red Storm on her back in this one. The next highest scorer was Sky Owen. She had seven off the bench. And shooting 50% from three was huge. By the way, there were only 22 total fouls. 13 for Marquette, just nine for St. John's. And 10 total free throws, five, five for each side. Marquette had a solid, you know, you know, all-around effort. You know, Franny Hodinger had 15. Liza Carlin had 14. Jordan King had 11. But outside of that, they didn't get much. Just 16 points from the rest of the team. And this is kind of a sloppy game. Marquette turned it over 23 times. St. John's, 18. So St. John's, that a big win for Joe Tartamella's team. And they kept the train rolling by beating Providence, who had earlier in the week beaten DePaul by seven. They go into Alumni Hall and win by seven. They trailed by three going into the fourth, but Unique Drake, an, another 24-piece for the senior 10 of 20 shooting, and she had both of St. John's three-point makes. Granted, two for seven, but the rest of the team was 0 for six from long range, and they only played seven and won this game. And it's nuts how they won despite being out-rebounded 41-24, but they turned Providence over 23 times. And that's Providence's big thing. They they have to be they have to have committed more turnovers than anyone in the Big East, even more than Xavier. And while you know Brent Farrell and Olivia Olson played solidly, they only got 18 points from the rest of the team. Farrell had 18, Olson had 12. The rest of the team had 18 total. So St. John's quietly surging at 3-1 in the Big East. Meanwhile, Villanova is at 2-1 in the Big East after getting a big road win at Seton Hall by 5. Olivia Olsen didn't have her best stuff. I mean, 4-17 for 17 from the floor, 0-6 oh from long range, 10 points. I mean, but stuff the statue with 8 boards and 5 assists. But the bench was the X factor in this one. 13 from Caitlin Oriel. And 11 from Maddie Weber. In fact, those two combined for 24 of their 50 points. When Christina Dalsey struggled, Zanae Jones struggled, Bella Runyon struggled, Maddie Burke went scoreless. But who picked up the slack? Oriel and Weber. And once again, Seton Hall struggled shooting the ball. 29% from the floor, 2 of 12 from 3. Azana Baines had 21 points. The rest of the team had 24. The next highest scorer had 5 points, and that was Savannah Catalan, the freshman off the bench. Baines, 8 of 16 from the floor, made her only 3-point attempt of the game. The rest of the team was 10 of 46 from the floor and 1 of 11 from 3. So, 
back-to-back losses at Walsh because of really rough shooting days for the Pirates, but they did bounce back by winning by 14 at Butler, behind 17 from Savannah Catalan. Micah Gray had 16, Azada Baines with 13, and another efficient night from the floor for Baines. But Catalan with 17 off the bench proved to be a difference maker in the win. And both teams were really efficient shooting the ball. You know, Seton Hall was 50% from the floor, 54.5% from three. Butler was 50% from three, but inside the arc, they were just 9 of 30. That's only 30%. I mean, Jordan Muleman said 15, Caroline Strandy with 13, but Rachel Kent, after having a big night against Georgetown, only three points in the loss this time around. They did get some good numbers off the bench from um, Kristen Carter, as well as... Riley McAluskey, I mean, give credit to Austin Parkinson. He's brought in two really solid fresh. He brought in good freshmen last year, good freshmen again this year. But the results just haven't come up as the Bulldogs are now 0-3 in the Big East. Also 0-3 is Xavier um, after they got clobbered by Marquette. 81-52. 81-52. So after Marquette started 12-0, they lose back-to-back games on the road to the UConn and St. John's, but they bounce back with a big win over Xavier. Um, and they dominated the middle quarters, outscoring Xavier during that stretch 50-20. First and fourth quarters, Xavier had the edge 32-31. And in that one, Marquette forced 28 turnovers. And that's the kind of win you got. You play Xavier, you know you need to get your confidence back, and you need to win big in order to do that. And they went out there and did exactly that. And meanwhile, DePaul, you know, they've now lost three in a row after they lose at home to Creighton, 75-68. Now, Creighton set the tone in the first quarter and did not look back. And they, all five starters, you know, after having such a tough time against UConn, all five starters in this one were in double figures. 17 from Lauren Jensen, 15 each from Ronzik and Molly, 11 from Mallory Brake, 10 from Molly Mogensen. And Anaya Peoples just, she just had a rough week. And kind of like with Xavier and Quincy Olivari, DePaul will go as far as Anaya Peoples will take them. And she struggled in each of the last three games, all games in which DePaul has lost. So, moving forward with this week, and this is going to round out the show this week, um, St. John's Xavier, St. John's will win at Centos without a shadow of a doubt. FS1, Marquette's at Seton Hall. So a Seton Hall doubleheader on FS1. You got the men at Georgetown at 6.30. And then the women host Marquette at 8.30. Walsh Gym has been a house of horrors for Marquette in recent years. And really has been a house of horrors for Marquette. No. 
ever since Tony Bazella took over as head coach. So in a gutsy pick, while Seed Hall's really struggled at home in Big East play, history doesn't lie, and I got Seton Hall winning over Marquette pulling in, pulling the upset. On Wednesday, Villanova hosts Georgetown. Nova, after you know, they they've had they had a great start to the year and then they had a a tough losing streak, and now they've won three in a row. So they've they've had a roller coaster season already. Georgetown coming off the loss to UConn. Listen, I'm really tempted to pick Georgetown here to remain unbeaten on the road. But given the role that Villanova's been on, I'm going to take the Wildcats at home. But Georgetown will keep it close. Now, at 6.30 on FS on SNY, I got UConn crushing Providence at Gamble. Pretty sure that game's at Gamble. Oh, it's at XL. Okay. Actually, no, 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 no. I'm going to fact check this thing. I'm just shocked that they would play it at at um at XL and not Gamble because like Providence is not going to draw that much. Well, X well, well, I was right. It is at X. Well, whoever it is ESPN app was right. It is at XL, and UConn will win that game big. I also got Creighton winning big at home against Butler. By the way, the fact that UConn fell to 13 despite the dominant week they've had and the dominant run they've been on since New Year's Eve. Egregious. But I digress. Saturday, 2 o'clock on SNY from UBS Arena. UConn will take care of business against St. John's. 4 o'clock, Seton Hall, they'll throttle Xavier. Villanova will handle business at Butler at 7.30 and then 9 o'clock, a little late night tip in uh, Milwaukee as Marquette hosts DePaul. I got the Golden Eagles winning, and then Sunday, pretty straightforward. Tough, tough sledding for Providence as they get UConn and Creighton on the road this week, and Creighton's going to win that game. So tough road trip uh, for Providence, uh, taking on arguably the top two teams in the conference. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Igloo. Um, I'll be back on probably Tuesday. Um, that's why I made the pick for MLK day because it's an afternoon start on Monday at two 30. So until next week, this is Timmy Ice signing off for the Igloo. And thanks for tuning in to the coolest podcast in all of college basketball, the Igloo with Timmy Ice.